Hello and welcome into this episode of the College Fantasy Football Gurus Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Abba, and I am joined by two of the best experts I know, Brett Hahn and Carter Hartwig. What is going on, fellas? Not a whole lot, man. Looking forward to this season to kick off here in the next week or two. Dude, I have that I have that slow like burn or like an itch. I'm just literally like I'll be like flipping through the channels on ESPN. It's like top 25 game. And it'll just be like Auburn versus Vanderbilt. I'm like, well, now I got to sit down and watch this for the next two hours. Yeah, 17 days till the first Ohio State game. I'm ready to go. Yeah, freaking the J.K. Dobbins, Justin Fields rampage begins. Who do they play week one? FAU, the yeah. Fighting Lane Kiffins. The Fighting Lane Kiffins are about to get yeeted on. Brett, how are you doing? Uh, I'm going to piggyback off that. And Justin Fields is going to be named the starter next Monday. Yes. I don't know if you guys saw the news. Uh, well, it's going to be they're announcing the starter Monday, and it's going to be yeah. Justin Fields. So I'm looking forward to that. Just be nice to hear that. And this would be nice to hear Jalen Hurts as well because I own both of them in our family league. So I don't have any doubts really, but I did. it'll be nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, um, I think he's been the starter all along. I think they're kind of just, you know, coach speak and making sure that he still competes. I don't think we're going to have yep. ourselves like a Tate Martell situation. Oh, yeah, most certainly not. I mean, I am not surprised by the Tate Martell news that's why he was not on my quarterback radar Dude, whatsoever he's kinda, do you think do you think he transfers i'm serious oh, i don't see him staying he missed the practice the day after that but he so did he did go to team have meetings. A there. he did go to team meetings is what i saw but i don't know man it's like well, he, they showed they showed a video and he was taking reps third out of <laughs> behind nikosi perry dude i i too. don't i don't think it's a question of his talent I literally think is he's just a head case. That's that's got to be it. Well, and I don't know how good of a thrower he is either. Yeah. So in my opinion, I think he should transfer because he'll probably he'll definitely have to sit out. But he should transfer to like a solid like group of five team and just take over. I mean, do like the Blake Barnett route kind of. I mean, I mean, he would even have a lot of success at like a Mac school. Yeah, like, yeah, there's, yeah, like yeah. Definitely, but, I agree. And it's not out of the question. Like, he could even make it to the NFL out of a school like that. Well, like, know? he could transfer to, like, a Houston or transfer – like, any school, really. Like, he he, he has yeah. tools, I just think. I don't know. I mean, what did he go from? He went from Ohio State to, to, the, to U. the U. I mean, he's really – I mean, he believes in himself clearly, but that's, really, that's tough competition because you know the rest of those guys are going to bring it. But were you going to say something, Carter? No, no, I'm good. Oh, you're good? You're content? Yeah. All right. And you guys may be wondering where our last guru is at. Uh, Max is, I would say currently, I guess that's fair to say, an actual concussion protocol. Not like the made-up concussion protocol. Max is officially in real-life actual concussion protocol. Brett, do you want to kind of elaborate on how our dear friend Max got into i mean it's unfortunate but how he got into real concussion protocol yes yeah, so i'm gonna start off by saying we're really glad that it is only concussion yes, protocol absolutely and not something so much worse um so max was driving down the the busy interstate it might have been yeah, interstate or just a really busy highway 
and traffic slowed down real quick in front of him. So he had to slow down as well. And there was a, a 18 wheeler behind him that could not get slowed down in time and hit him really hard in the, in the back and pushed him into a pickup and also into the middle divider. Uh, and his car was pretty messed up a hundred percent total, but Max came out of it feeling very sore and has a concussion <laughs> But we are very, very fortunate that it was nothing worse. So yeah. um, Max <clears throat> is uh, at football stuff right now and in concussion protocol. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's kind of funny that we always joke about it. And here he is. But Actually concussed. Yes. <laughs> very fortunate that Max is alive and well. With the us, crazy so. thing about that whole thing is like every morning me and Max have like text conversation of fantasy. You're like, fantasy talk time. And then my phone lights up, and it's like, okay, Max texted. And then it's just a picture of his car smashed. I'm like, good God. <laughs> yes, I was not I expecting was that. Like, the moment, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what is going I on? I mean, I was sitting at, my, sitting at my desk, and I instantly stood up, and I, like, started shaking. I was like, holy cow, Max. Yeah. But it's good that he only has a concussion. So that's good the good news but let's dive into some of these um listener questions we got we got we got some good ones today i'm jacked to get into them first we'll start with steve jackson so his question is some ideas from basically the bottom of the barrel running backs with a high upside so he was kind of thinking somebody you expect to get full carries that others might see as a committee type deal so who are some low-end running backs that you could see that with some pretty high ceilings maybe misinterpreted as that committee type look um, I'm not sure if there's a whole lot that are going to emerge out of like a committee. I think some of them, um, they're in running back battles maybe at this point. I wouldn't say that. I mean, some of these teams, you just don't know who's going to emerge. Like mm-hmm. they usually have one guy. You just don't know who that one guy is going to be. But obviously I, I kind of have had one guy on my radar this whole entire uh, year. I've got him in multiple drafts, and that's Xavier uh, Valade out of Wyoming. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a system pick for sure. But like yes, and they've been so solid. He is the clear cut guy right now. Uh, Trey Smith transferred down to Louisville, but everything I've been reading is uh, Valade has the upper hand on him, and he's been in the system, and he's going to be the guy. And Trey Smith will just be kind of like a, a supplemental running back with him. So I think if you and he's been going crazy late in drafts. So if you're looking for a nice value pick who could easily end up being. Uh, a, a top tier running back come season's end. That's definitely one I'd go for. Um, another guy that literally fits perfectly with yours, which is who I like, is BJ Evans from FAU. Um, he's, I mean, has it, he looks like he's going to be the starter, um, and I would expect that. So that's why I've been kind of reaching on him to get him because I think he's going to be really good. But I also, he might, I mean, they play Ohio State week one, so I wouldn't expect much out of him that week. But after that, I think if you see a lot of carries from him in that game, that's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, my guy that I really think of is DJ Dallas from Miami. I mean, we kind of hit on um, Martell not getting the starting job, but obviously you're breaking in a freshman quarterback who they chose to go with. And I think a lot of people right now think that DJ Dallas is kind of going to be in a committee. He's not. Most times he's not getting drafted, depending on the size of your league, obviously, but he's going to go late usually. Uh, I think he – everything I've heard out of camp makes it seem like that he might end up being their guy. Like he's been really impressive. So that would be a late-round guy that could have some serious upside. 
Anything you guys want to add before we move on? Or yeah, um, what were you about to say, Brett? Ever since the days of Duke Johnson, I've always wanted to see another Miami running back emerge. Mm-hmm. Because he he was solid yeah. and he was a a great running back, and I, ever since then I've been expecting uh, one of the Miami running backs to emerge, but it just hasn't happened. So I think eventually it will, and uh, I don't know. Well, I think DJ D- Dallas definitely has the talent. It's just a matter of if he can get enough touches, just like you said. What about uh, Connor Hayward from Michigan State? That's another good one, actually, Carter. I like that yeah. pick because we've seen it in the past with Michigan State having solid running backs that produce Lankford. Yeah. Uh, LJ Scott was a borderline Heisman candidate. So. Shut up. <laughs> Best uh, the, back to the Jeremy Langford days. Yeah, Langford was good. Le'Veon Bell was good. Like, all those guys were super solid. So I want to see a Michigan State running back step up. So that's a good one, Carter. Um, Patrick Rose is our next question. He says he's in a keeper league and can only recruit new freshmen coming in. Can you highlight some or maybe a couple sleepers I can put on my bench? First, right off the bat for me, it's Zach Charbonnet. Like, that's got to be one of the biggest freshman people you can have. Like, he – there's a very – there's a chance that he potentially could be Michigan's workhorse this year by, like, middle of the season if Harbaugh ever decides to, like, actually feed him. I I think Spencer Rattler has got to be my number one choice for sure. I agree. Brett, do you have any freshmen that are really kind of standing out to you that you would put away that you know? And they necessarily don't even have to play this year. Like, it's it's kind of a guy that you just you got to keep your eye on but for years to come. Um, definitely John Emery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be – I mean, he potentially could be relevant this year. Yes, I think there's a good chance. I mean, he's the most talented back. And going forward, you I mean, he, it's – it's the fact that he has to stay three years in college. So, I mean, if he gets a heavy dose of experience this year, watch out. Sophomore, junior seasons could be extremely, extremely well. Or, and also, um, uh, just a second here. Uh, on top of that, uh, Trey Sanders, mm-hmm. like he's out this year. And if you were to take him, he's going to redshirt, obviously. So he will be a redshirt freshman next year. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> Najee Harris will be going. Najee Harris will go to the draft after this year. And the door is going to be wide open for Trey Sanders. I don't see anyone really coming in that's going to be better than him. Mm-hmm. Another one that I kind of just thought about is Carter, RIP, Baylor Cup. you got to be looking at him <sighs> on your radar. I mean, here's the thing. It's a, bro- it's a broken leg, right? Yeah, tibia. Yeah, so part of you thinks, like, okay, can he come back from this? Can he recover well? But he's only a freshman, man. Like, he's definitely worth – even, like, if you haven't drafted yet, like, let's – like, for your freshman or whatever, stash him away, man. Like, he's going to be worth something. He'll get healthy. You get basically, like, three years of fantasy gold in that system. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just a tight end, though, the thing. I know, but, like, he could be legitimate, legitimately, like, a tight end one in a few years if you're willing to – take that risk do you guys have any other freshmen that you would stash away now if you were if you were him Wandale Robinson's gonna be good this year he he will definitely be someone that will probably contribute obviously if he goes nuts he might go pro but at least three years like you were gonna get at least three years of really good production yes and the thing with him is I I do see a lot of uh Rondale in him and I think that he could easily 
come on week one and put up a big game. I think he is ready. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot of stuff on him and think he's going. He's ready for the big show here and will be able to put up big numbers. So, I mean, I honestly think he, he could possibly have a better season than Spielman, mm-hmm. personally. I think he could come in and do that. So, that I have high hopes for him. And this last one I would say is, and the total homer here, stash one of the Iowa State running backs with a slight lean, in my opinion, towards Brees Hall. Like, those guys, one of them's going to take over the, this backfield. Like, I think, yeah. I think we can all agree to that. And, I mean, look what David Montgomery did. And I'm not saying they're the same talent as David Montgomery because he's practically going to be a starter for the Bears now if everything works out. But th- with their talent and the way Iowa State's program is progressing, those guys could be – if one of them gets the keys to the offense, they could be top 25 running backs for years to come as far as fantasy production. Yes. The only problem I have with that is I just cannot see Campbell leaving one of those two freshmen off the field. I know. Then you worry about – yeah, I agree. I get what you're saying. I totally understand. I mean, I think – because I think those guys are just different. Mm-hmm. Something Iowa State's – I mean, like, Montgomery was not a four-star. No, recruit. he was just a work – like, he was just a worker, man. Yeah, like, we have two four-stars coming in. Like, Iowa State's never had that, ever. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a situation where, I mean – I think they're the two best running backs on the team right now. And I think it's very possible they will both get a lot of work. Um, I don't I don't know how sold I am on Brees Hall being better than Jarrell Brock. I think it's just the fact that we've seen a lot more of Brees because he got here earlier in Ames. Mm-hmm. And I think I think as, I think that's a lot of to Jarrell Brock. I think that's a lot yeah. of it. But I mean I th- I think it's gonna be an amazing Amazing show between those two. I mean, that technically it's a five running back battle for that starting mm-hmm. spot. And you know, Matt Campbell does like to favor one. Yeah, back, and he's so. come out and said that. So it, yeah. it might not be till midseason, but if you're a dynasty guy and you want to stash one, at this point it's kind of like 50-50, to be perfectly honest. So, I mean, take a risk. Stash one. Stash both if you can. I mean, if you can afford to. Yeah. So the next question comes from Sonny. Um, he's first year doing a league. It's a 16-team super flex with only Power 5 schools plus Notre Dame. So this thing is going to be an animal. He has the fifth pick, and he says, I obviously go quarterback, right? I mean, you have to. say, just quit that league. I don't (laughs) want any part of that. (laughs) I I don't even know. Dude, 16 super flex with only P5 sounds like the most intense gauntlet ever. But let's think about it. If you're in a 16-team league with a super flex at the fifth pick, I think you got to grab a quarterback because it's going to be a long time till that comes back to you. Yeah, quarterbacks are going to be at a, at a minimum Yeah, especially there. in a super flex. So that makes total sense to me. You go quarterback, and when it comes around on that second round, I mean, obviously you got to look what's left. Being a P5, being only P5 schools, it might be a little bit of slim pickings. So, yeah, I would say first round go quarterback, second time through – um, evaluate the field and kind of look at what talent, what values left on the board. Um, this last question comes from the Stanford Cardinal. First time playing CFF and NFL fantasy football, he usually stacks running backs and receivers early and then waits on quarterbacks and tight ends. Which strategy do we prefer when we're drafting in CFF? For me, um, typically I kind of play the value card. I don't go in necessarily with a set strategy. I kind of look what's there 
but it I I would say it's pretty nice to have um a very like stud running back like a Jonathan Taylor or someone. I think that's a pretty comfortable pivot piece, but it also depends on your draft position. Yeah, I mean, I like to see what other people do too and see who's there, but for the most part I usually stack on running backs and receivers and wait on QBs. That's just what I've typically done in the past. Yeah, for me, I just take whoever is best available at that mm-hmm. point. I mean, I think if you want to be focusing on how you're going to build your team out, um, then you got to be thinking about how you're going to fill those spots once the draft's over because you're going to have a weak spot somewhere and you're going to have a, por- a part of your team where you can always improve it. But for me, I just prefer to take if, you know, three running backs have gone and there's been only one quarterback off the board, you know, you're going to get your best value taking that number two quarterback as opposed to, you know, getting down into the maybe the second tier of running backs at the end of the first round or something. I don't know. It just depends. Uh, and like I said, there's really no right way to do it. And if there was a right way to do it, everyone would do it, and it wouldn't work. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd definitely say don't go in with a set strategy. There would no. be open to switching it up because, yep. yeah, every draft's different. Yeah, and then, I mean, he also said that it's a 2QB redraft, <laughs> six points for passing, rushing, receiving touchdowns with a 50-yard bonus. This is interesting. With a 50-yard yeah. bonus of 10 points. So I'm assuming for running backs and receivers, if you – my understanding is if you go over 50 yards, you're going to get that 10-point bonus. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, that's, 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 a high, crazy. that's a high-scoring league. So I guess you would have maybe a slight lean in your draft looking for volume, guys. I mean, t- I mean, at this point, though, almost everyone has some value. is going to be getting 50. Yeah, everyone's going to have some value, but at least you know with the volume, guys, that you could have a situation where a running back gets 25 carries but only averages – you know, two yards of carry, and you're still getting 10 points. So maybe a slight lean towards volume receivers and running backs. But honestly, like we said, I think you're more safe just to go in with an open mind. I mean, have some sort of a game plan based on your draft position, but definitely just don't get locked into a single thing. Kind yeah, of be think about how crazy, how crazy like Derek King would be because you'd get the 50 rushing <laughs> most likely and passing. Yeah. Like that would just be insane. Yeah, he. I mean, he's already insane in standard fantasy, yeah. so got to assume that translates over. All right, let's move on to our main segment, which is hot start, slow start. Pretty much, we kind of went through some schedules of some pretty big-name fantasy players, and we're going to point out some guys that they might be on your bench for some early weeks, or they will be leading your team to many victories in those early weeks. So we are going to start with which players will get off to a hot start. I think A.J. Dillon is a lock to be a running top three running back almost the first, what, three, four weeks? Yeah, probably. I mean, he has a tough game against Virginia Tech, right? So that's going to be – he's going to get his workload, but Virginia Tech could be so-so. Then he plays Richmond, Kansas, Rutgers, Wake Forest. Then Louisville. Yeah, that's an yeah. easy slot. That is an right easy there. start. You can AJ Dillon will carry you those first couple weeks. There's no doubt about it. Yes, it's just the back end of his schedule, which is unfortunate. Which is it's pretty brutal, but it kind of becomes yeah, but, one of those things. Sorry to cut you off, Brett. You can go ahead. No, no, you're good. No, I was just gonna say it's gonna be one of those things. Is how much do you trust AJ Dillon? Let's say he goes nuts those first, you know, four or five weeks. Trade him. If you want to, like, if you're that afraid of that back half, you could sell him high. 
Like you could seriously sell him pretty. I mean, he already has a high asking price, but you could really get something good for him. Yes, definitely. I agree with that. Um, another tandem that we think, I mean, it's a tandem because it's the team obviously playing the schedule that could get off to just an absolute hot start. In my opinion is the Chubba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace duo. I mean, Oklahoma State's first three games are Oregon State, who Carter knows what Ohio State did to them last year. 72 points. Exactly. McNeese State, and then Tulsa. Like, you would expect Oklahoma State would score at least 42 points or more in all those games. What? I mean, they do pretty much against anyone. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, they could be north of 50 points, and you'd have to expect that Hubbard and Wallace – will be involved in that. You would hope. <laughs> yeah. So those I'm down for that. Those guys should get off to a pretty hot start. Brett, I see you like um Hertz getting off to a pretty hot start. Yeah, I mean I don't see how we wouldn't his schedule's I mean it's a big twelve. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I mean Houston's gonna be a shootout. Mm-hmm. Um, then he goes South Dakota, UCLA. UCLA will be a shootout as well. Then he put just the pa- then he plays Texas Tech, Kansas. Like those that, are five. That's just... almost the equivalent to the AJ Dillon schedule. Not as bad, yeah. but like Oklahoma for all players involved could be absolutely humming that first mm-hmm. four or five weeks. Yeah, five. For, well, it's week six. They have a bye in there. Mm-hmm. Was they play Kansas? But then they play Texas after that. That'll be the first test. But like I said, the only enemy of this will be, will they be up by so much where he's going to be taken out early? That's going to be the only struggle. So that's another thing you have to look at in the early weeks is they might have a really easy game, but you know the fact that they only play two quarters, you can only put so up so many numbers in two quarters. Yes. So you kind of got to play that card as well. Yeah. Um, with Syracuse, um, looking at them, I think their offense as a whole, I mean, Tommy DeVito for sure, and we definitely expect one of those receivers, maybe even two, to be very fantasy productive. And Syracuse starts off with a pretty nice slate of games, their first four games. They go Liberty, Maryland. They play Clemson, which they've played Clemson tough, but I don't think you're going to get the fantasy output you're obviously looking for. And then they play Western Michigan. So Liberty, Maryland, Western Michigan, in three of that first four games for them, that should be a whole lot of offense for the Orange. Um, I really like uh, J.K. Dobbins to start off hot um, and because I think he's going to come back with a vengeance this season after kind of a somewhat mediocre season last year. And he's I think they're really going to feed him in the beginning of the year to kind of help out Justin Fields, get acquainted. And um, I think he'll score a lot more touchdowns than he did last year as well. Yeah, and Carter, to piggyback off that, Ohio State plays a pretty – it's kind of smooth sailing for those first five games. They'll play FAU, yeah. then they go to Cincinnati, which will be a tough game, but I don't think the offense should have a problem moving the ball. Then they play Indiana, Miami, Ohio, and Nebraska. That's a pretty nice slate of yeah. games for Fields and Dobbins. Yes, and it's, yeah. a nice, it's nice to get Fields in comfortable with games yes. like that. Yeah. Because it won't take, it'll take him only a couple of weeks, and then he'll be firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and I honestly think um, a lot of people I've seen think that Fields will take away from Dobbins, which I think is fair. But in a way, I think if they run a lot of that read option, which we expect them to do, I think it, it's going to help both of them. Like, sure, Dobbins and Fields will get mad. Owners will get mad because the vulturing. 
But like both those guys being a threat to house it every single time is going to keep the defenses from selling out on one guy. Yes, definitely. I hate to say this, but in honor of Max, I really, truly believe Adrian Martinez is going to get off to a hot start. I mean, same with J.D. Spielman, but you look at it, they play South Alabama, Colorado, Northern Illinois, and then Illinois. The only game that I worry about is Colorado, but I don't really worry that much. I feel like that's still going to be a shootout. That game last year was – didn't they play last yeah, year? Yeah, sure Yeah, they did, and it was – yeah, yeah, it was a. Sh- it went to like they either went into overtime or like they won. Colorado won in like the last few seconds. Yeah, definitely. And it was super high scoring. Which obviously, the higher the score for us, it, for any fantasy team, it's that's exactly what we want. I mean, I think this one's pretty obvious. Um, Spencer Brown, <laughs> he has literally the easiest schedule in the entire FBS. Which that's, I mean, them being a group of five team, that's kind of to be expected. But he plays Alabama State, Akron, South Alabama, Western Kentucky, Rice, UTSA. Let's face it, if UAB can get their O-line figured out after having to replace pretty much, is it all of them? I'm pretty sure they have to replace literally their whole line or at least like four. If they can get that figured out in the workload that Spencer Brown receives with that easy of a schedule, literally being the easiest schedule in all of college football, he could he could be a solid piece for you getting off to a good start to the season. The thing with him is I just I don't see him being like explosive, you know, right off the gates cuz he's very, you know, just 105 yards a touchdown type thing. I f- I, which yeah, is what's good. which is fine, you know, it's good, it's good. It's just I don't know. I feel like he's Justin Jackson-esque. A little bit. Just a crap yeah. ton of carries. Not that flashy. But you know you know what you're getting with him. You know, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brett, I noticed you have Travis Etienne on the schedule. And Clemson opens up with um, Georgia Tech. A&M will be a tough game, but we don't really ex- – I feel like Clemson's almost matchup proof. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think they almost – you want them to play tougher yes. games to get him his touches because his touch – like, you know, with his touches, he's going to do great things with his touches uh, regardless of who they're playing. You just want to make sure he's in the game long enough, and I think that's why I thought that maybe their schedule may not be the easiest, but that's probably a blessing in disguise. Yeah, and, and I think when we say hot start, yes, we look how, how easy it is, but I think you prove a good point, Brett. We also have to take in consideration of their usage in these games. I mean, you get a stud team playing a bunch of cupcakes, he's only going gonna, gonna to have the Alabama syndrome and only play a half, you know. But you pro- that's a really good point. I'm glad you actually brought that up because, I mean, Clemson, Texas A&M, their starters will be in that whole game, which is just yeah, way more definitely. opportunity. And then Clemson the next week plays Syracuse, and you know that's going to be a shootout because I don't think it'll be – like Syracuse probably can keep up for decently. Like they'll keep it a game. So most of Syracuse, or Clemson players will be in that game. Then they play Charlotte. And Etienne will only need three carries to go over 100 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns. True. Right? So, no, I buy it. I buy that. And then your last one, Brett, on here, was that uh, Larry Roundtree? I want you to gush on him yeah. a bit. I don't know. I just – I'm a big fan of Larry Roundtree, and it's grown on me ever since uh, we've been drafting. And I, I kind of wish I would have taken him in earlier times because I guess I wasn't quite aware of how much I liked him. Like I said, his first couple games, 
uh, it's pretty much a cakewalk. It's Wyoming, West Virginia, Southeast Missouri State, South Carolina, Troy. There's really no one in there that's going to, you know, that screams yikes. Yeah, I mean, the South Carolina thing and the West Virginia teams, that's almost plays into your, your argument for Clemson. Like, they're going to have to play yes, this game. they're going to need to use them, but he won't have any issues getting his getting his numbers. And Ole Miss is week seven, and then Vanderbilt week eight, Kentucky week nine. Like, I mean, his his schedule overall is not too bad for an SEC schedule, you know. Just he falls on the right side, and I, I think Larry Roundtree all around will be good this year. And I think I've been low on him, as, uh, and that's my fault. Uh, one more, I, I've been, I've probably said this a hundred times. Najee Harris, I just this, I was a big fan of Najee a month, two months ago, and ever since then, it just got continually better and better. So. The reason why I say that is because uh, the only two teams that are going to give Alabama a challenge, maybe, uh, they have Ole Miss and South Carolina fairly early, and neither of those teams, Ole Miss, they were 114th in the FBS in points allowed. That's pretty good. So That's that was, pretty good. Literally, they are <clears> the like steel I, curtain. Yeah, week <laughs> one, they play Duke, and I think that's going to be actually a pretty interesting game. Yeah, Duke's. Yeah, so I think that one won't be as big of a blowout. I think they're favored by like twenty-eight, but that's—I mean—that's I, really per Alabama spread. That's not all that all that bad. So they go Duke, New Mexico State, South Carolina, Southern Miss, Ole Miss. That's. I think that's you gonna, can if Najee Harris gets the carries we expect him to be, he will legitimately be at least a top at least a top twenty-five running back in those weeks. At least if we if we if he gets the carries we expect him to. I think top twenty five is easily like there's not a, there's like there's no question in my mind he'd have to literally be shot. <laughs> nice to uh, to bounce off your round tree. Um, I'm I wanted to say talk about Kelly Bryant because I think that the you still mentioned their schedule. Um, it's pretty easy getting into SEC play and that'll get him going. To prove all the haters wrong. Uh, everyone <laughs> hating on him, Carter. <laughs> and then he can't throw the ball. Carter, you have a genuine but... love affair with Kelly Bryant. He, dude, I think he's gonna be good. And he, do you not think so? No, I, I. It's just Missouri in the past with Drew Locke, and they might change their system, but they kind of ran that air raid where Drew, Drew Locke is just chucking it everywhere. And by everywhere, I mean to literally both teams, like just. <laughs> Drew Locke, Drew Locke did not give a single crap. He's like, oh, man, triple coverage. I bet I can fit it in that window and just like Uncle Rico's it sidearm through three people. But yeah, I kind of my my hold on him is does Missouri kind of change their offense a little bit to fit more of his skill set? You know what I'm saying? Like he, he wasn't the greatest passer. Well, they, should. they should. Yeah, I agree with you. And if they try to force him to be a pocket passer, Missouri is not going to have success. But if they run a read option type offense, similar to what Ohio State might do, I say I'm with you, Carter. I think he can be a really solid asset. I think well, Kelly Bryant is a more than capable passer. I just think uh, he's just not as good as Trevor Lawrence, which and I don't not think, a lot of people are. Yeah. And I'm a I'm a big. Uh, I'm a big hater of Drew Locke because the only <laughs> games he really performed in was when they were playing like FCS schools. He'd throw like eight touchdowns in those games, and then the game after that, he'd throw for like 
97 yards, three <laughs> picks against like Arkansas. And it, that it bothered me too, being like a college fantasy football player, is like prior to the draft, I'd flip on ESPN and you would just see like Drew Locke on my big board. I think he has great, yeah. like, I think he has all the tools to be successful. It's like, dude, this guy throws the ball like, like, I mean, he has a decent arm, but like, he was. When I think about a pro quarterback, Drew Locke's not the guy that comes to mind. Yeah, I don't think the experts are really that great at predicting those type of things. That's just me. I mean, I don't know. Like His completion percentage for his career was 56%. Yeah, that's not great when you're supposed to be like a pocket passer quarterback. He threw 39 picks. Well, that's just a lot. I have no words. I'm disappointed in Drew Locke. That is a lot of picks. Yeah, I, I just, like, what? Brett, you ready for this next one? This is the last one I have that I want to hit on. You're going to love it. James Prochet. He opens mm-hmm. up with Arkansas State, North Texas, Texas State. There isn't going to be a single, like, defensive moment in any of those three games. Well, won't his whole season look like that? I mean, I they play yeah. TCU, which out will be kind of tough let's be honest but honestly yeah not really like really most of his most of his schedule will be pretty high flying like that but if we're looking at guys that are giving me a hot start Prochet might care he will carry teams in that first week seen as far as receivers go they're a little bit different though okay what, what do you mean exactly by that like explain i mean competition it could almost be backwards because the better teams you're playing, you'll be playing from behind. Yes. Okay. And when you're playing from behind, you're chucking it as opposed to, you know, if you're up by three touchdowns, you're not going to be chucking mm-hmm. it as much and receivers, you know. I get, I get, I so, get what you're saying. I, I understand that. That's why I'm, that's why like, you know, conferences like the Big 12 where it's just an offensive shootout and really it's just like, you know, touchdown, 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 touchdown. So they just keep chucking it and chucking it and chucking it. Like, as opposed to if you get a really lopsided game. And it seems like in those games, it's like the first kickoff goes for a touchdown. And before you know it, like SMU's offense has been on the field for one series and they're up by 25 somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. Because there's been like a kickoff return and then a pick six. And then your offense is like, that happens to me all the time. I love group of five games purely because the fact is like, you'll look away or like, you like walk away, unload the dishwasher, and it's zero zero when you walked away. And you come back to the TV, it's twenty one twenty eight. Five minutes have gone by. Like, it's nuts. Like the group of five teams just can explode for no reason. That or it's like four to two. Yeah. Yes. For like some yeah. no, it's reason. like one to two. For some reason, the yeah. group of five has thrown out all rules and it's one to two. But no, seriously, things stop. Especially with like late night matching, which we all love here. That's it's weird. that's when games stop making sense. There's like a thousand people in the stands. It's a Tuesday. Most of those college kids are just like blackout hammered in the stands. They don't know what's going on. They're just at the game watching. And things stop making sense. Like I remember having one of Arkansas's State's running backs that was pretty good a couple years ago. I can't think of his na- name off the top of my head. But he literally was tackled, and he pretty much was down, but got back up and ran for a 70-yard touchdown, and no one reviewed it. They were like, yep, that looks good. And he was, literally was down. 
I was like, what is going on? I feel like I remember that actually because I was watching it. I was like, dude, that's that he's so down. I know. Like he, play stands. The play stands. It's like, it's like what? No, it doesn't. No, it does not. <laughs> All right. You guys want to move on? Do you guys have any other ones that you think we get off to a hot start? Or do you guys want to move on to our slow starters? Yeah. I'm ready to move on. All right. Carter, you're not gonna like this first one, and it kind of pains me to say it, but Joshua Kelly could get off to a slow start. A he has some questions around his health right now. I think he'll be fine, and I think he'll play week one. But there is – I think he was in a boot. I'm not sure. I'm not sure this like what the injury is exactly. But there's some rumblings that he hasn't been practicing fully, and UCLA starts off with Cincinnati, who beat them last year, San Diego State, Oklahoma, Washington State. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough slate. I mean, Cincinnati and San Diego, San Diego State. State. They both have, yeah, they both have good def- defenses typically. Yeah, so. I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma I, I doesn't, that. but no, but yeah, it might be a question of Oklahoma gets up by so much that's like, okay, we can't even run the ball anymore. Then Washington State yeah. had a good defense last year. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be something. I agree. Bray, you're not going to like this one that much. And I feel like it could be a reach for a slow start, but I put Rondell Moore on here. Just because Purdue's schedule is kind of bumpy, but I feel like he's pretty much matchup proof. But I just wanted us to talk about it. Purdue opens up at Nevada, then plays Vanderbilt, then TCU. I don't think that's overwhelmingly hard, and I feel like he is matchup proof, but I think it's something to look at since he doesn't have any of those real cupcake games. I love how they're going to feed Rondell Moore. <laughs> They're gonna absolutely throw Dude, the football he, at him. Like he has the most sickest highlight tape ever, especially because he's got the music behind his space cadet. Oh man, it's a great yeah. highlight. I highly recommend watching it like right now as you're listening to this. And the fact that he had all of those highlights in his freshman year, yeah, it looks like it's like his entire career. I thoroughly enjoy that some of his highlights are from the Ohio State game where he shut up, where he literally yeah. murdered well, literally, your entire yeah. secondary. He did that one juke. Yeah, he just runs them over. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't want to talk about the it. The one juke where he planted and your defensive back just wasn't even close. <laughs> just whiffed so hard. Yep. I, um. Do you guys have any you want to add real quick before I move on to one that I definitely think is going to be. Pretty much almost non-startable for the first four weeks. Who? I think it's going to be Isaiah Bowser. Honestly, he opens up. That's who I had. I had Bowser on my slow yeah, starter. Yeah, he has. So you, you can talk. Yeah, but we can, we can both hit on this. But he has Stanford. Tough. UNLV should be fine. You can play him against UNLV. That's fine. Then he plays Michigan State and Wisconsin. That's not exactly a good time. Now, you know he's going to get like over 20 carries probably in all those games. But the question is, how productive can he be with those carries when last year he didn't average that great of yards per carry as is? Yeah, I don't know. That's definitely not – Like, I, definitely wouldn't start in those two no. weeks with Michigan State and Stanford, I'll tell you that. Yeah, like I think he'll be good because, I mean, he ends the schedule with Illinois, UMass, Minnesota, Purdue. Not in that order, but like those are his last four games. So he'll be good. Towards the middle of the season, but that beginning is going to be tough sledding for him. 
Most certainly. Most certainly, indeed. Yeah, and he and he, he's a guy that's going to average what, like three point five yards a carry. Obviously, that's so it's just that's like, the Northwestern running back like yeah. motto. We are his his longest run all season will be like fifteen yeah. yards. You know, definitely. So, um, Houston, as much as this is going to pain Max, there's a chance they could get off to a semi slow start. I think offensively in Oklahoma, they'll light it up, and I think Prairie View, they'll light it up. But I worry about that Washington State game. Tulane was, had a good defense last year. Like, I know that this one isn't really that much of a slow start, but I think it's worth mentioning that we think Houston's going to get in the, all these shootouts, but their defense, I don't know, man. I just worry about that Tulane-Washington State combo. I think those are going to be tough games for them. Yeah, I don't know. I would worry more about Oklahoma than them. Personally, yeah, not not necessarily. Uh, well, especially uh, Tulane. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I would not worry about Tulane. Yeah, probably not. I guess. I mean, we. I might be reaching for Houston and off to a slow start, but the the just the Washington State game just sticks out to me a lot. Yeah, Washington hope, State could be tough. I hope that Week One against Oklahoma is just absolutely. Like, I want it to be an absolute just uncalled for. Like, if it is not 40 to 40 at halftime, I'm not happy. Yeah. I want points. It's someone better score 70 or I'm going to be pissed. I I got a good uh, slow starter for you, Brandon. Actually, more of a slow season. Okay. Completely. I, the fact that you just said it, I don't know who this is going to be. And if it's Andrew Claire, I will murder That is. <laughs> I will murder you. Why? Get him out of here. I hate him. He's just not. He's never... No. I can't wait for him to tear you apart. Why are you? First off, this is such an uncalled for comment. Now I'm Googling Boston College's schedule. Okay, they play K State. Wait, wait, what? Not Boston College. Excuse me, Bowling Green. I'm. Am I still in concussion protocol? No, I don't think. So. No, you're okay. good. But yes, I get what you're saying. Bowling Green plays K State and Notre Dame. Could be tough games, but the rest of their schedule. That could be. Could, that's a that's an utter statement. <laughs> they will be tough games, and Bowling Green will get smacked. But since Andrew Clare is going to lead the MAC in rushing, it's not going to matter. So yeah, Carter, that take is stupid, and you're uneducated because Andrew Clare is MAC Play of the Year. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, another another guy I have is Colin Johnson from Texas, mainly because like I'm not sure how convinced I am of him anyways because he was supposed I mean he's supposed to been the guy what like two the past two years now or three years and you know someone else has emerged yeah like uh uh, little little Jordan Humphrey Humphrey yeah whatever his name is so like I don't know I mean he's he's got the body to be I mean really good he's huge it's just uh, I just don't know how convinced I am of him yet the thing that makes me upset with this take, Carter, is that you have the balls to call out the great Texas Longhorn program. <laughs> the fact oh, that you God. would just kick dirt on Mac, the... Mac Brown's going to come to my house and blow it up. <laughs> First off, Carter, that would be intense. Mac Brown is the greatest commentator I've ever heard in my life, if we're going on a side note. Oh my god, there, dude! I'm pretty sure there was a team getting beat, like UConn getting beat, like by like 50. And he said, "I really like how they're playing defense." Okay, UConn legitimately 
didn't feel the defense last year. Well, like other teams were against Matt. air. That's a that's a that's a <laughs> Mac Brown comment though. I about went on a Longhorn Network tirade of screaming, but like my throat kind of hurts, and I just <laughs> yeah. What, what Brett? <laughs> You're also the Mac Brown commentate action or something like that. That's what we were kind of just talking about. Does it bring Does it bring joy to your life, Brett? Yes, I was just talking about though, like you know, like you said, like uh, sorry, Gar, what'd you just say about him? like he just says well, stupid I was stuff. Saying, I was saying they were getting a team was getting massacred, <laughs> and then he said, "I really like how they're playing defense this yeah. game." And then he'll be like, "It'll be some two star that plays for Toledo and be like one of the best linebackers in the country." <laughs> <laughs> No, or or literally be like they'll put in like a running back on a plane. Like I really like what this guy's done all season. He's been productive, and it'll be like five attempts, six yards. It'll be like, where are you getting this knowledge? Like, where are you? One of the best running backs in the country. Who who put a microphone in front of Mac Brown and thought, hey, you know what? Let's see what this guy can do. Oh man, let's see if we have any more slow starters in here. Carter, you know who I was thinking about that could get off to a really slow start? What? Sean Corbin? What's his first name? Is it Sean or Lish? Deshaun? Deshaun. Isn't it Deshaun? Deshaun. And yeah, that's actually exactly who I thought. I think Texas A&M Why? has to play. Okay, Texas State, fine. Clemson. Eh. Rubber man's going to come and clutch that. Okay, game. you can't just pull in an inside joke from left field with not explaining okay. who Rubber Man is. All right, is. I'll explain. So, Rubber Man is, I forget his actual we name. We don't know his actual Rubber name. Man. No, I do. I just don't remember on the top of my head. He is the receiver with uh, like white dreads on their team. He's pretty easy to spot. But last year when they were playing Clemson, he. Uh, Got he went up for like a it was like a curl route and he jumped up and he got hit underneath the legs and he basically tore his ACL like it was disgusting and his back went over behind the Clemson defender but he somehow <laughs> didn't touch the ground got back up and ran for, I'm pretty sure he ran for a touchdown so literally like, he like did some no, exorcism stuff yeah me and <laughs> it was like watching the Matrix it. but. Not volunteer. <laughs> Me and Brett were watching it live, and we were like, we screamed because it was so gross. And then he just kept running. <laughs> yeah, me, me and Carter both screamed, we're like, oh no, he's done. And then he got back up and started running, and we're like, what? <laughs> Ever since then, and then we looked at each other, and we were like, rubber man. I wish. <laughs> I really wish. I really wish that um, we knew who that actually was because I don't know if he actually has any fantasy relevance. Um, he, no, I looked him up at the other day and he had two good games <laughs> last year and it was against Clemson and then the LSU seven overtime game. Cause he caught like every two point. All right. Well, well, fine. Just scratch my slow start for the Texas A&M offense, Texas A&M offense because of rubber man plays. His name is, his name's Kendrick Rogers. Oh, rubber man's cooler yeah. though. Yeah. Totally rubber man. Yeah. They... So I have, I have a slow start. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it. I really don't think uh, Baylor Cubs. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I would say Longhorn Network, but man, Brett. But the question I'm is: sorry. Is your Baylor Cup comment worse than what Max said on the last podcast about Gerald Lorenz? 
And the answer is that's a tough debate, but Baylor Cup's gonna recover and like he'll be okay. And Max, yeah, Max just took it too far. <laughs> Max, he was out of pocket. Ah, man. Well, I can't. Carter, do you have any more slow starters you want to hit on here? Do you have any that come no, to mind? I'm rattled. I'm rattled off that last comment. So. All right. Well, that pretty much does it for our show. I mean, it went many directions, but we got through it. We got through some hot starts, some slow start guys. We got some listener questions for you. Is there anything you guys want to add in these closing statements? Uh, I think it's going to be a lot more fun when we actually have some some results to speak of once the yeah. games start. Yeah, de- I think we're. I think a big, a nice big podcast will be right after our week zero games, and that'll give us some stuff to talk about. Um, and then you know we'll have our reflections every week as well. So that that that'll be a lot more fun. A lot more material to talk mm-hmm. about there as well. Well, it's and, and here's the thing: it's like every you know sports network podcast. This part of the college football season, they call it talking season because there's legitimately nothing to talk about. Like you can talk about injuries, you can talk about recruits, you can talk about so and so is making these great plays in camp, but stuff doesn't start getting good until that first kickoff. You know, and I, I agree yep. with you. That's when that's when things start getting fun. That's when things start jumping out. And that's when the ball really gets rolling. Carter, you want to add anything here in these closing statements? Um, Ohio State's going to win Natty. Why do we even let him talk? <laughs> you, you asked. I know I did. And, like, as soon as I said it, I almost just reached out, and I'm like, I know what he's going to say. Honestly, I was expecting either OH, go Bucks. Like, those were the two things I was – but since Max is literally concussed, you didn't have your second partner to say it, so – All right. Well, that does it for us. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I hope you guys are enjoying what we've been doing here with our podcast. Um, And if you are enjoying it, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate all the feedback you guys can give us. Um, Until next time, take it easy.